Penn State blue and white game. It was boring. Blue team won 10 to nothing. There's probably a lot to be concerned about since the offense didn't really do a whole lot. I, I beg to differ. There were a lot of positive takeaways, uh, including a boost in recruiting for the Nittany Lions after this weekend. You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And yes, welcome into a live edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko, your host as always. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And Locked On Nittany Lions is now your go-to podcast for Penn State Rivals, Penn State Rivals. PennState.Rivals.com is your source for all things Penn State athletics. All the updates on Penn State recruiting, the recent commitment by Keandre Barker, plus uh, the analysis of many more. And with that, we welcome in a very special guest uh, back on the show. That is Richie Schneider right over uh, from Rivals covering Penn State, Rutgers, UConn, so much more. Richie, thanks so much for the time today uh, in a live episode. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on again, Zach. Uh, eager to talk some uh, blue-white game. Yeah, blue and white takeaways. We're going to start with that. Plus, just general recruiting. Uh, I'm going to talk to Dylan Callaghan Crowley, you know, a colleague of yours, good friend of yours, uh, in depth about some of the recent commitments. But this is just kind of overall general takeaways. And let's just get right to it, Richie. Your your thoughts on the game itself? Ten to nothing. Uh, the basically the first team versus the second team, the starters versus the scout team. But some people might walk away and say, well, the the scores uh, a little. It's a little underwhelming. Should should we be concerned? So ultimately, what are your takeaways? Um, I mean, yeah, definitely a slow start. But uh, towards the end, you saw Drew Alar settle in pretty well. Um, was there some accuracy things here and there? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably argue there was. But but like I said, he settled in. He ended up finishing, I think it was 19 of 30 for 202 yards and touchdown. So stats-wise, like it, it didn't really look that bad. But when you look at the final scoreboard, 10 nothing, it's kind of boring a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, there were some people that pointed out uh, different things. This was in the case of uh, Florida State. I think this was years ago. They had a three to nothing spring game and everyone said the offense stinks. They're going to be no good. They ended up going on to win the national championship. I'm not yes. saying that's necessary. I'd like to believe, you know, Penn State's in this conversation of the college football playoff, but don't just because a spring game is 10 to nothing. My takeaway is that the defense is just that good. Uh, and the scout defense as well, right? Because, you know, that's the blue team. That's the first team. Those are the starters. Uh, yeah, Bo Perbula cycled in for some, but Bo Perbula has starter capabilities here. I would say my biggest takeaway is that the defense, Manny Diaz, and, and anybody involved in that group, Poindexter, Terry Smith, everybody that puts together the defensive game plan week to week, uh, it, it's stellar. It's going to be top 10, probably top five in the country. And, I was impressed with guys like Tony Rojas, uh, other Tamir Robinson, particularly the linebackers, because they, while they showed a little bit of inexperience, they showed that they're still mature way beyond their years. And that's good if those guys are the backups, right? Uh, Deny Dennis Sutton had an absolute terror of a game. He had two sacks in that game. And, you know, you can only just, you just slap the quarterback on the shoulder pad. You're mm -hmm. not going to actually bring him down physically. You don't want to hurt him. God forbid. <laughs> but denied in a sudden, there was a reason he was on the white team. And, and, and I made this a point at Locked on Nittany on Twitter that when you put guys strategically 
on the scout team to go up against the starters. That's kind of that final test to see how much progress they'd make because Zariah Fisher was over there. And it's like, well, these mm -hmm. guys should be in the starting rotation. Why are they on the white team? Because they wanted to see them go up against uh, Olu Fashion, who dressed, but he didn't play. They're not going to play him. Uh, but I look at Drew Shelton and Caden Wallace, those guys that are on the outside. I want to see how Denai Dennis Sutton and Zariah Fisher, those kind of guys, do one-on-one -on -one against Again, Big Ten starters in, in this case. So Denida Sutton was double teamed all day and still mm -hmm. had two sacks. Uh, so I, I'm very pleased with, I mean, the blue team's going to look good against the scout offense. The, the first team's going to look good against the scout offense. But the guys that were moved over to the scout defense, I, I thought they they had their day. They had their way against the first team offense. Yeah, um, just starting with Denai Dennis Sutton. Um, I know Franklin actually called him a, a starter in the post game press conference. So it's yep. kind of to be determined where he's going to be, but he's obviously going to play a significant role, place a significant amount of snaps this upcoming season. And along with him, they still have Chop Robinson and Deesa Isaac, who people like. I, no one wants to talk about Adisa. Adisa is going to be really good. Yeah. Um, so that defensive line is going to be a terror for Big Ten quarterbacks this season. And you saw glimpses of uh, Deny this weekend. I think it's. I think he might even have a chance to be the best pass rusher of the group. And that's saying something when Chop Robinson was probably, what, one of the top three, if not yeah. higher, um, pass rushers last year in the country. So that that was one of the big takeaways. You mentioned Zariah Fisher. Uh, he missed most of last season due to a new knee injury. Yeah. Fully healthy. Became a pretty uh, – he's going to be a factor in this defensive line rotation. I think he was pretty effective. He had a, one and a half tackles for loss, five total tackles on the day. Um, the defense as a whole, like you mentioned, Manny Diaz is uh, is just a tactician, I guess, if you want to use that word. Yep. Um, he just knows how to call a great defense, and it's aggressive defense. And when when you have linebackers like Abdul Carter, and now you have Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson stepping up in year one, um, I, I think it's this unit's only going to get better and better. Um, yep. It's nice to see Tamir out there because he did miss significant time in high school. He was injured, the, yeah, his final yeah, season. Yep. His final season. He ended up suffering injuries junior year, missed his entire senior year. So just to get him back out there and just let him get a couple tackles, I think he actually had a tackle for loss too. And then Tony Rojas just looks like everything that we kind of projected him to be. He was 96 overall for us. Um, it, it was a tough read to get on him out of high school because he played literally every position. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Played running back, played quarterback, played – um linebacker obviously i think he even played a little bit of wide receiver as well um but he's just a complete package he's going to be phenomenal and i think you'll kind of see him slot it in that abdul carter role from last year where he's going to play a solid amount of snaps but he might not just be a full-fledged starter just yet but overall there, there's a ton of takeaways from from this game and uh that's just a few of them he lined up uh, tony rojas at least from when i I sat on the West side, you know, where the, uh, the alumni and the rich people sit midfield and everything and tried to get a good perspective there. Uh, any of those linebackers, uh, uh, Tamir played mostly at the mic. Uh, he's just mm -hmm. kind of a more natural fit there, but watching Tony Rojas, I think he slid back and forth between that on ball and that off ball linebacker between. Yeah. So there, I, I think he literally will be utilized in both spots as a backup to Abdul Carter at that off ball linebacker. But honestly, if Curtis Jacobs needs a breather at that, uh, at the on ball spot, Tony Rojas can slide in. So he, he they're going, he's going to rotate between, and that's what Penn State likes to do. They like to recruit linebackers that are basically positionless. Even mm -hmm. though all three spots are completely different, they want guys that can line up and play anywhere. I mean, Tony Rojas could play in the middle, could be the mic, uh, but those guys handle a different set of responsibilities. So you want them like uh, Kobe King. 
I didn't see Tyler Elson out there. So Kobe King probably seems to be like the, uh, the destined Mike this year. There's not going to be a split. There's not really going to be as much of a rotation now that the game has slowed down for him a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. but that's just kind of a, a bigger picture takeaway. I mean, I, I don't know the case for Tyler Elson. Maybe he didn't dress up. I didn't see him on the field. So uh, linebackers are, are in very good shape and it's because of the youth movement, the guys that are playing much older than they mm-hmm. actually are. Richie, I, I want to continue with the takeaways before we get to the recruiting picture uh, of what other future Nittany lines could become in a happy Valley. We have a word from today's sponsor first, and that is a fan America's number one sports book, grand slams, no hitters, double plays. They're all back and there's no better place to get on MLB action than fan America's number one sports book, because new customers, Customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is right, $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything in Major League Baseball. You think Aaron Judge will hit a home run? Max Scherzer goes over on his strikeouts, a sneaky money line pick on an underdog team. You can take any of them, plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance on a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. And thank you for tuning in for this live edition of Locked On Nittany Lions, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, joined by Richie Schneider, right of Rivals, and again, we're going to talk to Dylan Callaghan Crowley just to get a perspective, like in depth, about specific recruits and get your thoughts generally about where Penn State stands in recruiting because the classes, uh, even in the distant future, twenty twenty five, get it, get even better down the road. But still, I, I think there's plenty to take away from this Bloom White game. Despite the score, I I think another one you mentioned, Drew Aller kind of settling in, Mm -hmm. uh, had streaky like when he was in rhythm, he was in rhythm. But I could tell when things weren't it it was a slow start, but through the middle and, and towards the end, when he got in a groove, it felt good. Uh, my takeaway from that is that Drew Aller is the starter. Bo Prabula is is the number two quarterback, and we saw what three snaps from Jackson Smolik, so he's going to yeah. be the three. And it, I felt bad because the ball just got completely by him. He slipped and fell trying to pick it up in his one series. But what I saw from Drew was, again, I'm going to go back on maturity. I'm not saying that Brett Bo Prabula is an immature quarterback, but mm-hmm. to see Drew Aller look comfortable in the pocket, slide the way he did for someone who's not mobile, he made an option read as a guy who's not a fast quarterback, like he doesn't have blazing speed, but he has very good quickness within the pocket and he has good vision. I also like the way he goes through his progressions. Uh, Richie, to see Drew basically go through Sean Clifford veteran type of progressions where my number mm-hmm. on that Amari Evans touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. He goes through his first read, not there. His second read, not there. Has the time, has the patience, the awareness to wait for Amari Evans to break away from his defender and found his third option for the first touchdown, the only touchdown uh, of the game. So I am completely sold that it, it was Drew Aller's job all along. I think that was meant to light a fire. I do think Bo Prabula is very talented and should have been considered at least to say, okay, hey, does he have an outside shot to be uh, the starting quarterback or at least contend for it? And I think that was the case. But Drew Aller clearly separated himself if there was any doubt left uh, after the blue-white game. Yeah, I mean, listen here. like Bo had a a rough game, but he was also going against the the Nittany Lions first-team defense. And that's this is one of the top defenses in the country, so it's not easy to do that first off. Um, I think Bo still has a bright future. I think whether 
I don't know if he'll be at Penn State or not, just because I think Drew is the guy. And I think Drew's going to be the guy for the next, uh, what is it, three years at least. So we'll kind of wait and see what he does. But I, I really think this is this was kind of Drew's job all the way. And like you mentioned, they, they gave Bo a shot to see what he could do. Uh, he didn't really step up as much as Drew did. But it's it's just Drew's job from, from here on out. And like you mentioned, he's when it comes to the little things, it's just instinct at some points. And like even that little sidearm pass, like, that doesn't just come like that. Like you just have to on the, on the, I can't even think with, when that defender's coming at you, you just have to think immediately and just throw it perfectly. And he just, he did it. And then when it comes to the Amari Evans touchdown, he went through read one, he went through read two. Amari Evans is a speedster. If you give him any amount of time, he's going to break away from that guy. And he ended up doing that, hit him perfectly. And Amari takes it for, what was it like a 50 yard touchdown or something like that? Yeah, something, something in the neighborhood the exact of numbers. Uh, thir- I think, I think forty plus. I would say <laughs> somewhere about. Uh, but it that that's just what has stood out to me. It felt like in times when when Bo was under duress, he made rookie mistakes. When Drew was under duress, he made veteran mistakes. Meaning that okay, we're gonna fight to to live another down. I think Bo had the there was the one play where he's in the pocket and just throws it out of bounds. Uh, almost, I don't want to say unprovoked because he was under pressure, but it was an intentional grounding call and it was the right call. But I feel like Drew made the plays where it's like, okay, we're just going to live to play another down. We're not going to turn the football over. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it, it really was Aller's job to to start with and to finish with here. But just seeing it in, in person, in the action, uh, and the way that they treated the two players, right? You know, Bo was playing with the scout team offense a lot. You didn't see Drew mm-hmm. take any reps with the scout team offense. So that kind of was an indicator as well. But just the way that Drew plays like a third or a fourth year veteran college quarterback. And I still feel like Bo has a little little bit of growing up to do, frankly. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty spot on. And uh, the one thing I, I know we kind of didn't mention is that wide receiver three role is wide open. And Amari Evans might have just took it by the reins and just took the job. Yeah, you know, that's I mean, that's what I was going to get to next. So I'm glad I'm glad you were thinking that we're on the same we're on the same page here. Yeah, no, I I liked what Caden Saunders did, though. I'm not just Amari Evans is at a different position. I think that because of the concern, Richie, I've heard so many different things about the slot position. There was in the beginning of the offseason after the Rose Bowl, the the talk was moving Keandre Lambert Smith to the Y, the slot. And that happened. Mm -hmm. We saw that it was Trey Wallace, Harrison Trey Wallace on the outside at the X. That was Jahan Dotson's position. That means that Wallace is going to be the number one wide receiver in the offense. He's going to have option routes. The plays are going to be schemed to him. Then Keandre Lambert-Smith, your veteran, is now moving into the slot, and that means Amari Evans is the Z. And it looked like the backups were Malik Mega, Malik McLean, uh, and, and Liam Clifford cycled in and out uh, in, in some combination. I had heard things mm-hmm. that Liam Clifford had an inside track to be the slot receiver because he got reps last year. Mm -hmm. at the end of 2022 he was one of the first backups to go in late in the season so i'm like okay that makes sense because they don't really have a slot receiver but now that your oldest guy in the room your your captain essentially your veteran leader in the in the wide receiver room kls Mm -hmm. is now at the slot that means that one of those other positions is going to open up the coaches have raved about trey wallace so that means that the Z position, that's that essentially, I don't want to call it the two wide receiver, but it just the, the Z, that second boundary receiver, because the X is your primary. Mm-hmm. That was opened up, and Amari Evans looks like he won the job. I like what Caden Saunders did, but he's not going to start over Keandre Lambert-Smith if he's in the slot. 
Yeah, no, this is where it's going to get really interesting because you're also adding another body that everyone keeps forgetting about in Dante Cephas yeah. out of Kent State. And I, I personally, we like going into this, we into spring ball, we had Cephas as our ex, we had Keandre Lambert Smith as the uh, as the slot, and now it's that Z wide receiver who I, I really thought McLean was going to step up and take, but now it's it's gonna it's just interesting because now you have Harrison Wallace at the Z too. Um, Amari Evans could be an X or Z, I guess, going forward. Uh, mm-hmm. Liam Clifford probably stays in the slot. Caden Saunders probably stays in the slot because yep. of his size too. Um, so there, and then there's options like Anthony Ivy had a decent spring game too. And yep. Tyler a, Johnson, Tyler Johnson might have had the best Tyler play of the Johnson, game. <laughs> who uh, I personally see as an X, but um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many options, and I think when Cephas gets here, things will start to kind of play out a little bit more, and you'll kind of understand who's going where. But I think for now, it's it's just basically it's a it's a free for all almost. And like the linebackers, these receivers can play any of those spots. I mean, it's like I would say the Caden Saunders is going to like that's that's a very particular example. A Caden mm-hmm. Saunders is going to stay in the slot. He's not. Yeah. They're not going to experiment with him at the X or the Z. But mm-hmm. I look at an Amari Evans could play all three. A Keandre Lambert Smith can clearly play all three. A Trey Wallace, uh, you want him particularly in the boundary because he's better at high pointing the football than a lot of other wide mm-hmm. receivers in the room, but he could play all three. And yeah. I, I frankly think, unless not, it, it hurts Dante Cephas in the fact that he just didn't transfer over this semester. The, the advantage that a guy like Malik McLean has is he's been here. He went through spring ball with Penn State. He was able to develop chemistry with Drew Aller or Bo Perbula, whoever is in at quarterback. He developed chemistry in the offense as a whole. And you just kind of have to speculate, well, Dante Cephas is a veteran. He was pretty good. He was first team all Mac. You just kind of have to assume that he's going to come in and take a starting role but but is he at the end of the day? There's going to be a learning curve in in a short summer. Uh, yeah, I, I think without a doubt, Cephas is coming in and he's going to be wide receiver one. I think that's okay. there's no no question about that. I I know it sounds crazy. I know it's a big jump to go from the MAC to uh, to the Big Ten. Um, but at the end of the day, he this man's put up nineteen over nineteen hundred yards in the past two years. Yeah. Eleven touchdowns. He he knows how to produce, and I don't think it's as big as a jump as people make it seem. We're seeing uh, the starting center is a former Ivy League player. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's not as crazy as it sounds to make those jumps, and especially when you have talent and speed and but the overall ability that Cephas has. I think, without a doubt, he's starter. He's wide receiver one next season or this season. Yeah. So if that means moving Trey Wallace back to the Z and moving Cephas to the X or vice versa, you know, maybe Cephas becomes the Z and then they still like Trey Wallace as as the X because Trey Wallace cycled in and out of both those spots last season. So it wasn't a Keandre Lambert Smith is really kind of the one that honestly, I think solidifies the the situation here because it was uh, assumed by a lot of a lot of people that covered the Nittany Lions were spot on by saying KLS would become the Y would become the slot over the course of the offseason and so they, you know Penn, Penn State was like well you guys are smart you got us here uh, so I, I think that I, I think the wide receiver situation even though there were question marks about the third guy I think that Dante Seif is coming in uh, being that at least that glue that can hold it all together while some of the young guys you know catch up you know, catch up to speed. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I, like I said before, Cephas is probably my number one. I think Keandre Lambert Smith has explosive ability and will, will be a true weapon for this team. I want, I want McLean to step up too. I really think he has the potential. It's just a matter of putting it all together and getting it, putting it out all together out in the field as well. So, I mean, we've seen him in practice and he, he does a really good job of high pointing the ball. 
So, I mean, I would love to see him just take that next step over these next couple months, work with the wide receiver groups a little more, work with coach Hagens and develop into one of the top weapons for this team. Now, will he, it's kind of still to be determined because there's so many other options there. So it's just, you got one of these guys has to take advantage of the reps they're given and just grab the, uh, the horse by the range and just run with it. Locked on Nittany Lines is now your go-to podcast for Penn State Rivals. Visit PennState.Rivals.com for everything Penn State Athletics, recapping the blue-white game, recruiting, which is what Richie and I are going to do in this final segment. Uh, Richie, the Penn State was able to pick up a, a 2025 recruit in a, in a running back in Keandre Barker. Dylan and I will talk about that in depth, but just overall, you know, that includes Keandre as well, uh, but just... Where does Penn State stand with uh, overall with recruiting? They got uh, they got another lineman a- a- as well. So Penn State uh, is doing or an athlete, I should say. But Penn State has done exceptionally well, and this is mm-hmm. kind of one of the one of the big three when it comes to recruiting events for the Nittany Lions. Yeah. So other than Caleb Brewer, who they just landed, yep. um, they're they're doing great with so many other prospects. There's another Texas kid in Quanell Farrakhan Jr. He's a teammate of Keandre Barker. I'm sure Dylan will be talking more about him later, but we have him pegged as a, a future cast for Penn State already. Uh, Donovan Harbor is another guy who um, came up from came over from Wisconsin. He's a Rivals 200 kid. He's in, he's one to keep an eye on. Corey Smith, his uh, another another Wisconsin kid and teammate, was also on campus. He's a 2024 running back. And yeah, I said running back. Like I know it's crazy to talk about another running back after they just landed Quentin Martin. Yeah. Um, but that, that is the plan. They plan on getting two and Quinton can, Quinton's not just a running back. Like I just mentioned in our last podcast, Quinton is a no. do it all, all purpose, offensive athlete talent. I don't know what, what you want to call him, but he is the true definition of a Swiss army knife player. He can be used as a slot receiver. He can be, I'd even use him on the outside at times, um, running back. You can kind of put him anywhere. Uh, but other than that, they, they had so many kids on campus this weekend. Um, trying to think just some of the names Jalen Harvey's another guy Kevin Haywood Nigel Smith Liam Andrews William Satterwhite Vabu Toure and they're all four-star guys and most of those guys already have official visits set up for Penn State in June um with some probably going to set them up with others probably going to set them up in September um I think they have the inside track right now on on Vabu Toure I think he's one that you really got to watch he's in Irvington High School New Jersey safety He's a high three-star, but I think when it's all said and done, he'll be a four-star recruit. Um, It's interesting about him is that his top schools right now are Ohio State and Penn State, but his two brothers play for Rutgers. So that's where it makes it a little bit intriguing. But from what we're kind of told, Rutgers is not in the running there. And uh, it seems like it's going to come down to Penn State or Ohio State. And he has a really, really good relationship with Coach Poindexter. And I could could end up seeing that being the difference maker here and ending up – with two Ray as a Nittany on. Do you have any thoughts as far as who is the most important recruit that they're targeting, or maybe just two or three that Penn state definitely needs to land if they really want to boost at 2024 or 2025? I'd say for 2024, I mean, 2025 is already off to a hell of a start. There's, yeah, there's really two, two, four stars and a high three star. Um, so I'd, I'd probably say for 2024, you really want to get, um, better up front and in the trenches. I know that they're pretty, they're pretty solid right now in the offensive line and they got a pretty good offensive line hall last class, but you want to just keep that going and keep building that depth. And that's where a guy like Kevin Haywood, who's a local kid plays at arch or I used to play at archbishop. Wood. he's now at Pope John Paul, the second over in Royers for were, yeah, geez, can't talk Royers <laughs> Ford. 
Um, he's a top 250 kid for rivals. He's another Penn State guy, or Pennsylvania guy. We have him actually future casting towards to go to Penn State. It's just a matter of when that might happen. Um, I think the other guy you really got to keep close eye on is William Satterwhite. Yeah. He's been to campus four times, three times since November. He's seen a game. He's seen the spring game. He's seen a spring practice. He's been there for junior day. I, I don't know kind of what the holdup is at this point, but uh, he's a big, big fan of Penn State. Um, he has a really tight relationship with Coach Trout. Um, and that, that's kind of paying dividends right now as Penn State's arguably the team to beat, in my opinion, right now. He's he's an interesting kid, too, because he went from Rivals three-star to Rivals top 100-ranked four-star kid within like a couple months. Yeah. He, every time we see him, he gets better and better, and he's, he's a massive guard. Um, and the other name I would probably keep a real close eye on is Liam Andrews. He's a New England kid out of Massachusetts. Um, He's, he's just, I think he's rivals 179 overall right now, but um, it, it's important for Penn state to kind of stick with that new England area too, because it's producing more and more talent each year. We uh, saw an article recently, someone was asking about new England talent and I'm like, it, it produces more than you think. And then you start looking back and Penn state's starting to hit it a little bit more and a little bit better. They're, they're hitting up the, the prep schools in the Connecticut area, which is definitely helping. But um, to get this to get the offensive line kind of situated is probably the next thing that they have to do with this 2024 class. And as soon as they do that, the, it's probably going to finish with a top 10 class if everything gets said and done as uh, as we're kind of projecting right now. A lot of names there and a lot of important ones that Penn State will need to secure from. Uh, Michael Van Buren was not on campus. Is that just just real quickly, Richie? Uh, he did visit Oregon. The, mm -hmm. this, that's all the way on the other side of the country. Uh, Penn State, from Rivals' perspective and a lot of other places, do project Michael Van Buren to be a Penn State Nittany line at the end of the day. So is there any mm -hmm. concern that he missed out on the blue-white game? No, I don't think so. Um, it's, he's been to campus, I don't even know how many times. He has an official visit scheduled for June 16th, so I could. it's not probably not going to wrap it up there. I think he just announced an official or a, a commitment date of the first week in June. I forget exactly when it was, or July, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, but no, he, he, um, he did just visit Maryland as well right after the Oregon visit. I think it's more of him just doing his due diligence, just kind of getting out there and checking out all the schools before making a decision, but I'm actually pretty confident right now uh, this is going to end up in Penn State's favor still. All right, and that's one of the top quarterbacks in the class of 2024. Definitely something that yeah. the Nittany Lions would like to, to continue to build around. Richie Schneiderwright of Rivals, PennState.Rivals.com, your go-to source for everything Penn State Athletics and Locked on Nittany Lions. Now your go-to podcast for Penn State Rivals. Richie, thanks for the perspective. I'm excited to get more of an in-depth look at recruiting with uh, Dylan Callaghan Crowley, who also contributes to Penn State Rivals. Richie, where can everyone keep up with your great work that you do personally? Yeah, so like you said, Penn State Rivals. Um, we're also on HappyValleyInsider.com. That's um, kind of our name technically, but it's on the Rivals Network. Uh, or check us out on Twitter or any social media platform, really, at Penn State Rivals. And then uh, also um, at, at my personal Twitter, I kind of cover most of the Northeast, so you'll see a lot less. I shouldn't say a lot less. You'll just see more Northeast prospects getting retweeted and all that stuff instead of just Penn State. Uh, but that's at Rivals Richie on Twitter. And then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Richie, I appreciate the, the time, the perspective as always. Can't wait to connect again as the Nittany Lions continue to build up in the offseason. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Zach.